Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I'd like to share a, a message with you this morning. It's um, something that's just really in my spirit at the moment. And I'm just really praying that our ears would be open to um, to hear what God has for us this morning. Um, he's already stirred me up with this message. And so I feel like I've caught it. And so I just hope that you don't just hear the word, but you catch it this morning. So let's just engage our spirits. Um, I know that, is anyone cold or are we feeling okay now? We're not cold. Okay, that's good. So, because, you know, we don't receive things well when we're cold and we're shivering. So that's good. We're warm. We've, we've entered into the spirit realm. We've gotten, we've, you know, said goodbye to that last week and we've entered into the spirit realm. So thank you, worship team, for bringing us into a place to receive the word. But I want you now to activate your spirit. So just close your eyes with me, Lord God. We just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it would be activated in our spirits. Lord, that you would open up our ears to hear your word and that you would open up our hearts to receive the word Jesus. I just pray that the, the, the moments where um, this needs to speak individually to us, that we would receive it, that we would hear it and that we would apply it to our lives, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift up your eyes with me, Lord. We just, we just lift you up in this place. We honour you, Lord Jesus. We honour you, Lord Jesus, in this place, Lord God. There is none like you. And and every word spoken, Lord God, is God-breathed, Lord. God-breathed, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here amongst us, that you are here in this place. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, team. And, um, and you may take a seat. I think it is really so important to activate a word, you know, and I often think about um, how many messages I've heard in my lifetime and um, being someone that's been um, brought up in the church as a child and I'm literally one that, um, like some of us, have, you know, slept under not the pews but the chairs. Um, I used to play a game when I was a young um, person and, you know, I've heard my parents preach for a very, very long time. And I used to play a game where I would try and, I don't know if anyone's done this before, but while the preacher's preaching, I would try and, like, say it at the same time in my head. Does anyone do that? And I, would th- I, I thought that as a young person, number one, it kept me engaged. But number two, I thought, well, if I would do that, then the word's really going in, you know? And then I, I'm just, like, really push, putting it in there. And, um, and something else that I've always contemplated on is um, if I was able to apply every single principle that was taught to me through the Word of God, um, how amazing would I be, right? Um, <laughs> but of course, we're only human. I'm going to need a bit of light because our, our windows are working really well, aren't they? So let's just put a bit of house lights on. And also because I want you to follow along with your Word. So um, I'm going to speak... T- from the, um, from the Gospel of John. And so um, if you've got your Bible, grab it because we're going to go through a few scriptures and sort of go on a bit of a journey. So it's great if you can follow along because it just gives it context to where we're up to. Um, we're not sort of going to be jumping all over the Bible. I'm not going to give you 
50 scriptures in a row like Pastor Phil does and um, <laughs> hope that you can catch it, you know, like um, it's amazing. He, you know, they are truly men and women of God and, um, and I know them behind the scenes and I know them, you know, who they are as a pastor and who, who they are behind the scenes and they are people that just live and breathe the word of God. And so I know that when they, when they share with us, it is a message that's come straight from God and it's fresh, it's daily bread, it's not stale, it's not critical, it's not cynical, it's fresh and it's, it's, and it's a, a word that's alive in them. So I, I do encourage you that when you hear Pastor Phil and Julie preach, that you receive it and that you listen to it with, with open ears because they really are, and I'm not just saying this, but they really are people that they walk the walk and they talk the talk. They are people that do, you know. They're people that live and breathe God. And it's pretty remarkable. And it's been amazing for us to grow up under that because um, I'm a real watcher. I watch people. You can say, 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 whatever you like, but I watch and I'm, a, I'm an actions person. And that's what I've done with my mum and dad. I've watched everything they've done. I've watched how they react to things, what they say after church in the car, you know, as a child, you know, when you're doing the drive from church and you, and you listen and they think you don't know what they're talking about, but you know everything. And, um, <laughs> and you know, I, I never really, and I, I know that they were very mindful of it, but I never heard critical words spoken like, oh my gosh, can you believe that person? And, you know, did you hear what they said to me? And no, it was always positive and it was always encouraging and it was always, oh, I've been thinking about that person and I really want to catch up with that person. And like the pastoral heart just like oozes out of them. And, um, and so for me, now I'm conscious of that and intentional about that for my own children to do that as well to be a role model and to be someone that actually does what I speak about. So that's a little side note. But um, the Word of God, I love that the Word of God is not um, just a historical book and it's not just a good book that you read through once and go, yeah, I read that, um, but it is a living word and um, you know it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it is a word that when we speak it, and we speak it out, it can change atmospheres and it can change things in our hearts. And, um, and I've been loving journeying with, with you guys on a Thursday night through the New Testament and it's just been so enriching. And there's something about, you know, studying on your own and studying with a group of people, isn't it, Ange? Um, it's enriching and you just, the energy around the place is just so good. And so I've just been, my eyes are opening more and more to his word and to what, what he's trying to draw out of the, the word of God. Um, so we're going to look at John 13, verse 33. So you can turn to that while I'm, look, while I'm um, just explaining and giving a bit of context. My message this morning is titled, We Are. Um, we are, dot, dot, dot. So I'm hoping to, in, um, in this short, these short moments, to unpack that. Who we are. And, um, and so... When we look at John 13, I'll read it in one moment, but just to give a bit of context, um, Jesus is about to be crucified. He knows that he is going to be betrayed by Judas, one of his 12 disciples. And I know sometimes we can skim over that, but these are 12 people that he has brought out 
and he has drawn close to him and he has revealed everything about himself too and he has just sown and sown and yet one of them is the one that betrays him. You know, can you imagine the hurt that you would feel in that moment? And yet he knows this and he's just about to walk. He knows that the crucifixion is coming, that this is why he was sent. He must go through this for us to, to enter into this new covenant. And, and yet, and then he's in these last moments, these last chapters, it's like chapter 13, 14, 15, you know, these last chapters, 16, just before Jesus is crucified. And we, and we see that Jesus is pouring out his heart. He's pouring out his heart to his disciples. He's pouring out his heart to his believers. And so I was reading this scripture and I'm just like, wow, these passages, these chapters are so important. You know, like if you were to think about what your final words would be to your children, to your husband, to your wife, to your closest people in your world, if you knew you were only moments away from dying, thinking about... For me, I would be just murder mouthing. Like I'd just be like, okay, don't forget this and don't forget that. And the bin goes out and the, you know, like, I don't know. All right, I don't take the bin out, but um, <laughs> I do put my foot down on that one. Um, but you know, like imagine you'd almost go into crisis mode of thinking, I've got to tell them everything. And, and he does share in one scripture, I don't want to overload you, you know? So he doesn't want to overload us. So I imagine that the words that he pours out in these scriptures are so thought out and are so precious. And they're words that we really should be just, you know, meditating on and just grabbing out of them as much as we can, because these obviously mean a lot. So let's just have a look at John 13, 33. I'm going to read out of here because I can't read that. Um, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So this is a new command. This is the new covenant. So he's establishing his new covenant for um, the culture, sorry, for his new covenant. And what he's saying is that um, not only do do we just love one another, but love everyone another as I have loved you. He's saying, remember the way that I have poured myself out upon the poor upon the broken, upon the tax collectors, upon the prostitutes. Look at my life, the way I have poured myself out in love. That is how you are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He is really showing us how he wants us to reflect him. He wants us to reflect him in this way that we love unconditionally. We accept everyone. And you've got to remember that we're coming out of a time with the Jews and the Gentiles and, and he's, he's, you know, abolishing all that. He's saying, no, you're all my children. You know, master, servant, no, you're all my children. And so there's a real, you know, um, it's, um, you know, the mindsets are being changed so much here. But for us to remember how much we are to love one another, and not one another as in just in this room, one another in the world, our neighbours, our family, our bosses, our 
people in our workplaces, the people in the shopping centres. We are to pour ourselves out in love just as Jesus loved us. You know, and and he did not have judgment. He did not hold himself up proud. He did not even enter the world in a way that we expected. You know, the Jewish people were dumbfounded. They were looking for a king. And yet he brought himself in through a manger, through Mary, you know, travelling on a donkey in Jerusalem. Like just in, how could you even predict that? You know, I actually think about it and I think, gosh, God, Please have grace upon me because I hope that I do not miss you the next time, you know, because he's just, he's blowing every mindset out of the waters, you know. Um, so Jesus is setting up this new, these new rules. So as we look at these passages, and I'm only going to pull a few things out of it, but I really encourage you to churn over these, these passages and just let them go into your spirit because obviously, like I said, God is pouring out in these and, and he's being particular about what he's saying. As we look at this, this is us. This is who we are. This is the new covenant. This is the culture of the new covenant is poured out in these scriptures. So as Christians, you know, Jesus, he was radical. He pushed boundaries. He pushed mindsets. That is how we are as Christians. You know, he did not, say, he did not come to just fit in and to look nice and to, and to just sort of get by, you know. But he came to change things radically. He came to operate in the supernatural. And Andrew was speaking about, um, you know, the miracle. He poured out with miracles, miracles that, again, we probably wouldn't have predicted. You know, we would have expected him to, you know, raise someone from the dead as his first one. But instead he turned water to wine and still theologians are trying to work that one out. You know, like (laughs) he just, he went, no, this, you know, supernatural, radical Christians. And do you know what? People followed him. And why did they follow him? Because they were encouraged and they looked and they went, I want that. And for us to be Christians, he wants us to have something in us that people look at and go, I want that. You know, we are supposed to just live and breathe and ooze out the goodness of God, the love of God, the unconditional love of God. We're supposed to ooze it out so people look at us and go, I don't know what that is, but it's different from that and I want that. You know, and that is how we're going to save the world. We're not going to save the world from just like, I'm going to take on the world. You know, we're going to save the world from one-on-one contacts with people, from going out there, from being the light, being the salt and light in our workplace, in our unis, in our schools. We are the change. Hello, I just sound like I'm like... um, it's true, we are the change, you know, it's, it's one by one by one. It's easy to say, I'm going to take on the world, I'm going to be a missionary, I'm going to go overseas, but you haven't even spoken to your neighbour. You haven't even spoken to the person in the shopping centre that you bump into or your university lecturer or the person that sits next to you here. You know, the change is so much more intimate isn't it? And that's what God was saying. It's so much more intimate. It's just you oozing God and you breaking these conversations with people, helping people, being one-on-one. So to discover more, let's take a closer look. 
I'm going to have a look at um, a few things. So come with me with your Bibles and I'm just going to highlight six things of Christian culture that we see out of these um, passages and then I'm going to show you um, the opposite to it, which is secular culture. So um, we've got the secular culture, we've got the Christian culture. So we can jump to that first slide, Ellie. I like to make slides because I'm an interactive kind of gal and um, makes it a little bit more memorable, you know, because there's no use me just pouring out words. Like I want you to grab something and remember it. So Christian culture, if we go to John 14, 16 to 17, it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I think I did these in the wrong order. You'll follow me. No, I'll go to the next one because that one's not even up there. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 16, 31. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He is giving us peace, but what does the world give us? Anxiety, you know, anxiety is rampant right now. And I must say, I am not an anxious person, but I feel it trying to come on me sometimes. Like it's a spirit thing, you know, and it tries to come on you and it tries to attach itself to you. And it's, it's of the world. So it's, it's, it's secular culture. It's not what God is saying, you know. He is saying that he has already overcome the world. Yes, in this world, there will be trouble. Yes, there will be anxieties. There will be worries. But if we take it upon ourselves, we will have worry. We will have anxiety. But if we put our hope in Jesus, and if we put our faith in Jesus, then we have peace. And these are the sort of scriptures we need to be writing on our fridges and claiming for our world. Because... The world, the secular culture, is trying to put on us the opposite. And it's coming through everything, everything. It's like brainwashing us that this is normal. You know, it's trying, I think the world right now is trying to normalise secular culture. And it's trying to make it look like if you don't have all these problems, then you're weird, right? You should have anxiety. You should have depression, you know, but we don't. We carry peace and it's not a false sense of peace. It's not fake. It's true because it comes from within. That's where peace comes from, within, and it comes from Jesus. So the next one is isolation, but God encourages community. So in John 15, 4, he talks about the vine and the branches. There's a whole chapter on that. And so you can read through that. But, you know, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. He's encouraging us to remember how important church is, how important the community of church is. It's not good enough just attending church in your living room. You know, I know that we can access the most phenomenal preachers. We were talking about it last night, like Stephen Furtick, um, Judah Smith, freaks of nature. Like, (laughs) I, 
you, how can you preach like that? It's, it's crazy. And of course, I can't compare to that. You can get that in your living room if you want. But what God is saying is the community of church is important and we must stay connected. We cannot be just on our own, just trying to bear fruit. You know, we have to be connected to each other. We need community. We need each other. We need to be iron sharpens iron. We need to be lifting each other up. But the world is saying, stay isolated. Stay in your room. Stay on your computer. You've got your phone. You've got everything you need on your phone. Everything. You know, the, of course, the tap of a finger, you've got your iPhone. But God is saying, no. We must be connected to one another. And so he's, he's reinforcing that, which means it's important for us to remember. Um, let's go to joy. I love this one. John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now, I love remembering this. Happiness, you might look at happiness. It's disappeared. But happiness is based on happenings. I heard someone say that, I don't even know, but can't even credit them because I don't remember who said it. But happiness is based on happenings. And so I regularly hear this. I'm at parties, birthday parties, and you, you know, you're seeing people, you're having small talk and whatever, and it's like, so what's going on in your world? And like, well, I'm going to Europe in a couple of months, right? And then, and then you feel this, wow, that's so good. And so that person, their happiness is based on the fact that they're going somewhere. You know, they've got something planned. But then I wonder if you were to ask that person when they're back from their trip, you know, like two days later after the jet lag's sort of a bit over and ask them, how is your world? How are you going? Oh, I'm all right. You know, now they're on the down. Oh, I've got nothing to look forward to. I don't have another trip planned, you know. And so this is just this common. And then, you know, if you can't afford a trip, well, good luck getting happy, you know. <laughs> Four kids, how are you ever going to go on holidays? Oh, we don't plan on going on holidays. Um, not to Europe anyway for a long time. We probably leave them behind, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I hear they don't like museums. I do. Um, so it's based on happenings, you know, but joy, God is saying, no, joy comes from within. Joy is constant. You know, joy is overflowing. So then when we talk to people, how do we change that? You know, like, I am content because joy comes from within. It's not based around things that are happening in my life, you know. Um, so let's click over to the next slide. We've got three more here. And, um, and so now we look at selfishness opposed to brotherhood, sisterhood. <laughs> John 15, 12 to 13. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Selfishness is huge in today's secular culture. And it sneaks in, it comes in in our schools and it comes in, you know, everywhere we go there's this, you know, selfishness. I don't want to do that. I don't feel like it. You know, I don't want to speak to that person. They're a bit weird. And um, I, have you ever noticed, have you been to a soccer 
okay, you know, Ange would know this, um, you know, Saturday sports, you know, you're part of Oztag or your football or whatever, yeah? Anyone's kids do sport or anyone do team sport, yeah? And um, you're so quiet. I see like a little, uh, that's me. Um, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> um, and have you ever noticed how no one knows how to talk to each other, <laughs> Right? You're talking to an introvert here, right? So I should be the quiet one, right? But I'm standing on the sidelines and everyone sort of just shuffles and you, know, you just sort of stand there and your kids are out there playing sport and I'm not much of a the yeller. Are you much of a yeller? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then after a while, it's just awkward, right? Because no one says hi, no one says anything. You're just standing shoulder to shoulder with strangers. So, of course, I go, oh, stuff this. Hi, how are you? You know, and how are you? And, oh, you know each other. And I start working the line, you know. And how do you know? And how do you, oh, you're friends with that person. Oh, let me introduce you over here. And, you know, because otherwise, you know, that half an hour takes a long time of watching. Oh, anyway. So then by the end of the sports season, everyone's best friends and they're like, yeah, let's all go out and, you know, like, let's all hang out and stuff. But have you ever noticed that it's always the Christians that do that? I've noticed it because my kid's going to a public school and then they're part of all these sporting teams and stuff. I notice that it's the Christians that know how to talk to each other. And I think, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Because at church, we, we always say to you, get up. Go say hi to someone you don't know, right? This is good training. Also, if you have a look around, we're kind of, we're a bit of a motley old bunch, you know, like would we really hang out? Do you know what I mean? Like so many demographics, people from all over the place, would we really connect together if it wasn't for the church? And so we get this beautiful way of connecting with different people and I love it. You know, it's a family. And so when you go to these things, you realise, oh, this is just so natural for me. I know how to talk to this person. I know how to find something in them that is common to this person and so then they're connecting and and so then you've got this brotherhood. We understand brotherhood, right? We understand community. So um, you're going to notice it now. You're going to keep your eyes out. And I've done it before. It was Charlie's school teacher in year one and and everyone was raving about her, how lovely she was. And, you know, she was only brand new to the school. And I, and I came in and I was speaking to her and I go, you're a Christian, aren't you? And she goes, I am. How did you know? And I'm like, the word on the street is you're the friendliest person around. So <laughs> she goes, isn't that funny? I'm on the welcome team at church. It must be what it is. <laughs> so that was funny. But anyway, the next one, truth. So we'll go back to that first one I was saying, John 14, 16 to 17. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Deception is the opposite. You know, so much deception in the world, so much coming through Netflix, you know, again, making things normal that aren't supposed to be normal. The word of the Lord is truth. The Holy Spirit was left to us. And if you think about it, he is the advocate of truth, right? He is the spirit of truth. And this is what Jesus said. He said, I must go so another can come. If he was leaving us the spirit of truth, maybe he predicted that we would need the spirit of truth. 
how important the spirit of truth would be in this time. And if you have a look, that is what's being slammed all the time, truth. You know, we're always grey area, grey area. Oh, I'm not sure. I guess that could fit into that scripture if we just cut that one word out. That's what's happening, right? But we have, that is another reason why we have to read the word of God because there's just so much deception. And then the last one, forgiveness, understanding versus revenge. Such a powerful word, but it is so true. John 17, 11, Jesus commands Peter, put down your sword. Now you remember this moment, right? Where Jesus is arrested and Peter being fiery and like lover of Jesus. And I've got you, Jesus. I've got you covered. And he swings his sword and whoosh, the ear comes off. And Jesus says, stop, stop. You know, I bet he expected Jesus to go, mighty valiant soldier standing up for me. You know, I would expect that's what he would have said, but he says, no, love those who hate you, pray for those who persecute you, you know? And so it's just a, it's a powerful thing and I could, you could speak for hours on that subject. What is Jesus trying to say when he spoke of this culture? So we've just had a look, truth, peace, community, joy, brotherhood, forgiveness, understanding. And I'm telling, I've, you know, I can't speak for an hour, so I've only brought out a few things, but I encourage you to read through and see what else God is saying about the culture, the importance of the culture. So I'm going to ask you, what is Jesus trying to say when he spoke of this culture? I've got three variables. You'll probably guess which one is the right one. A, I want you to blend, stay on the down low, just grin and bear it till I return. Is that what he's saying? in these? No. Okay. Is he saying, um, separate yourselves, turn off technology, wrap your kids in cotton wool, look down on others who don't follow my ways and, and just, you know, look to me. I am the answer and just leave them. Earthlings. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he's not saying that either. He's saying, He gives us these final words to encourage us that we are what? In the world, but not of it. We are in this world. We are in this secular culture, but we have Christian culture. We have kingdom culture. We have the new covenant culture. This is who we are. We are a community of people who love one another. We speak truth. We hold an inner peace and we have resilience. You know, I think that he's really stressing here as well that it's not going to be easy. And you can have a look at um, 15 verse 18 at home. The world hates the disciples. This is one of the last things that he says to them. (laughs) It's pretty full on, but he is being truthful. He is saying it is not going to be easy all the time. But you must stand, stand firm for my name's sake. Because if you have a look in John 15, 25, it says, they hated me. This is Jesus speaking. Mine's not in red, but I, could, I know it's Jesus. They hated me without reason. If you have a look, the same crowd, and Peter slams him for it, but the same crowd that stands there watching him be crucified most probably yelled out, crucify him, then in Acts 2, want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, like, 
They don't know what they want. So why would we take things so personally if even Jesus says they hated me for no reason? Of course people are going, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be people that say, don't pray for me. When you say, I'll pray for you, get over it. If they've hated Jesus, they're going to hate you too. But we must stand and be a light. We must plant these seeds in people because we are the ones that need to reach out and bring hope to a broken world. We can't just put our heads down and and just worry about our own selves. Um, On on Thursday night when we were in um, New Testament, um, Chris Brown was encouraging us and he reminded me of a story, brother... I don't think I'm pronouncing it right, Frank might know, but Brother Yun or Brother Yun. Um, the Heavenly Man, has anyone seen that, the blue book, The Heavenly Man with the Chinese man on the front? We'll just call him Brother Yun, but it's probably wrong. But that's all right, you get the point. And, um, and as he was sharing this, I was like, oh, I remember like um, Dad's had the book there on the shelf for a long time and he's often referred Personally, I haven't read the book. I want to read it now, but I haven't read it. But I, I know, you know, some key points in that book. And I was remembering it and I was like, wow, that is so powerful. Um, Brother Yun was a Chinese Christian who undertook an incredible amount of persecution. He was um, prominent in the underground Chinese churches in the 1980s and 90s. And then because of his, um, his place in this movement, he travelled internationally, encouraging other churches, encouraging the Western world in what was happening in the persecuted church in China. And he's, he's quoted in saying this, that, that he was in Europe somewhere, I'm not sure where, but he was in Europe and, um, and someone said to him, Brother Yun, Brother Yun, we are praying for you. We are praying that the persecution stops in China. And he says, no, stop. Don't pray that. And he says, because I've seen the Western church and I don't want to become like that. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Um, I said to Andrew last night, isn't it interesting when we're not up against it, sometimes we're just you know, just cruising. But it's when we're up against it. It's when family members sick and and the finances are bad. And, you know, I've got this problem that we stand and we keep standing and all of everything that's inside of us starts to come out. And I think that's what Brother Yun was trying to say. He's like, no, the persecuted church in China is on fire for Jesus. They know that it's him or it's nothing. They know that they're going to be persecuted. They know that they're going to be pulled in and tormented, but they still stand for Jesus. Us, we can worship wherever we want. You could stand in the middle of Westfield and worship if you want. You could probably, you know, like they could probably pull out a little blank, what do they call, you know, like a little rug and kneel down and do their prayers. No one would say anything, but we don't because we're scared, probably scared of, Someone looking at us funny, you know? We're not scared of being dragged into jail because it wouldn't happen. But in China, it would happen. I think when I think of that scripture, I go, wow. So just to finish up here, let's just turn to Romans 12, verse 9 to 21. This wraps it up beautifully. It's the love in action scripture. Do we know this passage, love in action? 
Hang on, did I get the right one? 12, verse 9. Nope, that's not the right one. Maybe it's 11. Oh, I can't find it, but it's here. I'll read it. Okay, love must be... Oh, sorry, I'm saying John... Okay, I may have printed my words too small and I didn't want to wear my glasses. (laughs) Romans. (laughs) It's Romans 12. (laughs) Um, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Doesn't that just wrap it up beautifully? The culture that Jesus is wanting us to have here on earth. So if I could ask the band to come up. I just want us to have a look at something. Um... Can we just have a look at that slide before that slide, Ellie, please? As the band's coming up, I just wanted to look at this. So this is who we are. I asked you the question, I said we are at the beginning. This is who we are. We are about love. We are founded on love. We are the ones that go after the lost. We are the ones who stand for those who nobody else is standing for. We are the ones who will leave the group and go after the one. We are the ones who will give dignity to those that have been undignified for too long. We are love. Come on, stand with me this morning. We are love. I'm going to post that on Instagram as well so you can grab it because it's so powerful. Just read that over yourself to remind yourself what who we are. We are for the broken. We are for the lost. We are the ones that people go, I want to be like that. I want to follow where they're at. You know, let's be love in action. Let's just ooze the culture, the new covenant. This is what Jesus is saying. He's showing us how he wants us to live. And let's ooze that. So I want to ask you a question. This is like a response time, okay? Because I think it's important not just to hear the word, but to apply it to our lives and to respond. And so I want to ask you some questions. I believe that if we're really loving each other in the fullness God intended, we could take so much more ground. So who are you in your workplace? Who are you in your university? Who are you on the train? Who are you at school pickup or a weekend sport? Right? Let's start to think about who we are. Are we the ones that go after the one? Are we the ones that reach out with a loving hand? Be God in love. Ooze His goodness. Ooze His love in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. 
For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ for all our days.